Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. We continue our journey through Christmas as we look at Luke chapter 2. So if you brought your Bibles, you can turn there. Or if you have the Version Bible app, you can go to the events tab and be able to pull us up there. So we are excited about uh, what we've done so far. Uh, just that it's, uh, I love doing the choir thing. I love seeing people just getting up there and praising. And I love watching you all just enjoy it. I know some of you say, well, I can't sing. I'm just going to uh, encourage those that can. So that, that is great either way. But I do appreciate, not because she's my wife, but it does help, but I do appreciate Donna and all the work and, and effort she's put into that, and most of all, the people that have taken time to sing. Uh, it's not, no one's up here to try to make records. No one's up here trying to be seen. It is just singing praises to the Lord. So whether you're in a robe up here or in the pew singing, uh, we are celebrating the Lord today. So uh, let's pray. God, thank you so much for what we've experienced to this point, Lord, in our worship service, Lord. It has all been for you. Because, Lord, we all come in here with baggage. We all come in here with worries. We all come in here thinking we still have gifts or stocking stuffers to get. But, dear Heavenly Father, for the next few minutes, may we just focus on one thing, and that is you. So, Lord, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for the worship that we have enjoyed thus far. And, Lord, uh, we just thank you that you are the reason that we are here. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, uh, today's message is called Rejoice, a Savior is Born. This is the third in our fourth me- four messages. Uh, the first one was talking about the fact that God, when he makes a promise, he doesn't break it. And then the second l- sermon, which was last week, was on praising God because he, kept his pro- he keeps his promises. And then today we are rejoicing. We are rejoicing because... A Savior is born. There are two main themes of Christmas that can be described from a verse you may know. John 3.16, you've heard that one, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. How in the world do you get Christmas out of that? Well, first of all, for God loved the world. That means the whole reason Jesus Christ came to this earth on a Christmas morning was because of God's love for us. And if no one's told you this today, God loves you. No matter where you are in your walk with him, whether you are close to him or far from him, God loves you. And then also the second part of that verse is that it says he sent his one and only son, Jesus, as a gift to die For your sins and mine. I don't care if you get the most perfect gift in the world. Somebody just knows you beyond a shadow of a doubt and they get that, that your favorite color, they get your favorite thing, they get, they've, they've either expensive gift or they put a lot of time into a personal gift. It doesn't matter. The greatest gift that you will ever receive and have ever received is Jesus Christ who came to die. For your sins and mine. And the way he chose to do this has been laid out in Scripture since the early days of the covenants or the the promises that God made. 
You realize that Genesis through Revelation, the one thread that ties everything together is the Messiah, Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, he has promised to be here. And then in the New Testament, all of those prophecies, over 300 of them, are fulfilled. So, with that said, long after the presents are opened and the Christmas treats are digested in our tummies, we will still need a Savior. God's greatest expression of love is found in the humble birth of a baby. So as we get ready to head that way into the scripture, we see that God became one of us so we could be like him. God became one of us so we could be like him. There is a fancy church word that talks about this process. It's called incarnation. Can you say incarnation? I knew you could. Very good. All joking aside, though, that means that God became human. And and there's no better illustration of that than one that I probably read just about every Christmas. But Paul Harvey, some of you that are younger don't know who this is, but he was a long-time storyteller. He told one of the most unforgettable stories. Um, Jan White of the Andalusia Star News wrote about this. And the story goes like this. One cold winter night, there was a farmer who heard a thumping sound at the glass door on the kitchen screen door. Standing near the stove, he looked out of the window to see what was causing the noise. And the light from the kitchen cast a glow on the snow-covered yard in the back. Due to the, the snowstorm, there was white everywhere. And there he saw some tiny sparrows repeatedly attempting to fly into the obvious warmth of the kitchen. They didn't know there was a glass there, so they kept this, this whole flock just kept one by one trying to fly into that kitchen. And instead, the birds kept beating against the glass with no success. The farmer had compassion on the birds, which prompted him to put on his winter clothes, walk through the wind and the snow to open his barn so the birds would have a warm place. Everybody would say, oh, he went through all of that. You can say, oh, that's fine. (laughs) Interactive. I like this. We need to have the choir sing more often. So then it says that, He turned on the lights in the barn and tossed some hay in the corner. And he sprinkled a trail of breadcrumbs to lead them into the barn. But the sparrows, they were afraid of him. And he walked towards them. But every time he tried to call them into the barn, I don't know how, hello, sparrows, come into the barn. You know, there was no Google translating app to translate from human to bird, I guess. But yeah, he he tried his best, and the the harder he tried to get them to come into the barn, the more they scattered. The farmer tried circling behind the birds to drive them towards the barn, tossing the crumbs in the air towards them and going back into his house to see if they'd fly into the barn. But still, the sparrows seemed paralyzed by the cold and the fear. Here's the thing, folks. They couldn't understand that this huge man was trying to help them. So he went back into his kitchen and he watched the doomed sparrows through the night. As he stared at this sad scene, he thought about what occurred to him. Here's the aha moment of the story. The farmer thought, if I could only become a bird for just a moment, 
I wouldn't frighten them. I would show them the way to the safety and the warmth. If there is ever a story that illustrates why we celebrate Christmas, if there was ever a, a, a thing that could pull in our hearts, that in this thought, the farmer expressed the meaning of wanting to become like the birds so they wouldn't run away. My friends, if we were to be in the presence of God without Jesus Christ, we wouldn't make it. We see in the Old Testament, time after time, even priests, after they would go through all of these cleansing ceremonies, if they were to approach the presence of God in the Holy of Holies, if they had even the least bit of impurity in their life, they would die. If we were to see God in all of His glory, we are not built for that. And God knew that. And He knew that we would run ourselves ragged trying to look out for ourselves when we don't know the plan. And then He says, the best thing I can do is become like them. Let me send one of those People, send my son that looks just like them so that now they can see me. You see this? Jesus came to this earth so that you could see God in human form. That is the best definition I can give you of the incarnation or God being with us. No longer would God be unapproachable. No longer would God seem unrelatable. No longer. Jesus was God and Jesus was human and he knows exactly what you're going through, my friend. He was human. He had heartbreaks. He had pains. He had emotions. He had all of these things. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise God made to redeem the world for all who would come to him. Bottom line is the incarnation. Jesus displayed the power of God. And it's not, don't take my word for it. This was prophesied all the way back in Isaiah. In Isaiah 7.14. And I'll put the scripture on the screen for you. All right then. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God's with us. Again, this was prophesied. This was written in Isaiah many years before it would come to pass. So do not celebrate Christmas without celebrating Jesus with the honor that is due him. Many Christians are appalled when people or stores or televisions, they, they change it from Merry Christmas to Merry Xmas. Oh, I can't believe they're trying to take Christ out of Christmas. Or sometimes people will get happy because someone will say, Happy Holidays, instead of Merry Christmas. We saw a a, um, a roadside uh, advertising sign. It didn't say Happy Holidays. It didn't say Merry Christmas. It just said Jolly. Okay. I don't know who the advertising genius was on that. But is it any different, though, for a family to spend all of their effort on decorations and items for gifts and food and all of these things around Christmas that we don't, we would never say Merry Xmas, but putting Christ in the middle of our festivities is a stretch. There are many people out there that would get mad at someone saying, Merry Xmas, but yet, if you look at their devotion life, if you look at their biblical life, if you look at their relationship with the Lord, Christ is nowhere in 
the mix of their Christmas plans. Now you, you are here today. You have taken a moment out of your schedule to give honor and praise to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I pray that God honors you for that. And I'm not saying we need to reject all of the hubbub of of Christmas and everything that goes. There's some cute traditions and all of these great things. But at the end of the day, we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And just as a side note, I shared this last year, and I'll share it with you again. Uh, I want to encourage you to start a, a tradition with your family, whether you are you have a big family or if it's just by yourself. Every Christmas morning, just for a way for us to kind of get our minds set on the real reason for Christmas, and I, it kills the kids, I'm sure. But you sit there and you see the tree and you see all the presents are just wrapped, and then everybody, you know, it's probably... Four or five in the morning, it's crazy. Christmas is usually over by what, seven? (laughs) When you have kids, if you're lucky. Bless your heart. Anyway, another story for another time. But just take a moment before you open the presents and read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And just make that your thing. I I didn't come up with this. I learned this from my father-in-law, Landrum Reese, who was a pastor. And every year... When we would have Christmas, he would read this story. And it, it just, it does a lot. So uh, some of you have told me since last year that you've done that, and and uh, I'm excited. So I'll just share that with you, no extra charge. Okay, so let's jump into our scriptures. The first thing that we see is the birth of Jesus is not a fairy tale. The birth of Jesus is not a fairy tale. If we go and we look at Luke chapter 2, starting at verses 1 through 3, it says, At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinus was governor of Syria. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for the census. It's real easy just to to gloss over the first three verses and go right to the good stuff of Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. But when the Bible says at that time, there is a purpose in those words. The purpose is, is that that, that kind of gives the, the, the story here credibility. It locks it into, in other words, it's another way of saying, and while history is writing itself, this happened. It's a reference point to lock in What was happening with the birth of Jesus was was happening in real time in that area. Too many people look at the birth of Christ as if it's a fairy tale or a mother goose rhyme. It was real. It was a historical account. Did you know that there are non-Christian writers that write about Jesus? And so now when you read this, and as Luke has placed this kind of time stamp into the writing this phrase serves as a reference point luke was writing to greeks who are known to be critical thinkers so these insights to the culture of that time gave him some writing credibility and just to if you'd give me just a little bit of latitude let me paint the picture of caesar We've always read through this, but the thing is with Caesar, at the time of this writing, Palestine was under the rule of the Roman Empire through Caesar Augustus, who ruled from 31 B.C. to 14 A.D. And just real quick, 
His, he was born with the name Octavian after his father. His grandmother was the sister of Julius Caesar. If you've had history in school, you've probably heard of Julius Caesar. And he was being a talented young man. He gained the attention of his great uncle. So Julius Caesar eventually adopted Octavian, which was his birth name, and made him his official heir in 45 B.C. So you know because of history that Julius Caesar was killed. So what happened was Octavian and his two other siblings, they took all of Rome and they divided it in three parts and they all had their own corner to rule, so to speak, of three corners. But what happened was is they started infighting with one another. And so what you had was you had a civil war between the three siblings and eventually not Octavian, but his brothers and sister, or I mean, excuse me, his siblings, they were killed, they died. And so he took everything for himself. It says in 27 BC, Octavian arranged for the Roman Senate to give the title Augustus, which means exalted or sacred. Now, Rome wasn't a republic governed by laws. It was governed by an emperor. So the first emperor of Rome was Caesar Augustus. And why in the world am I spending so much time on that boring history? I ask myself that sometimes. But the reason I did that is to show you that the people of Rome and the people of Palestine, all of these people, when Jesus' story is being written, when it is happening, nobody cared because their political savior was doing great. Under Caesar Augustus, everything was thriving. Politically, it was great. I know we can't understand that nowadays. But the thing is, is that they didn't need a Savior because they thought everything was okay. And I'm sorry, but I don't care what party, political party you identify with or you don't identify with or what your tweeting status is or your social media and all that kind of stuff like that. Look, you can, you can, that stuff is, is between you and the Lord, but I do know this, is that if you think, if you just had it your way, and your representative would get all the power, or if your Democratic or Republican or Independent Party would, would get total control of all the houses of, of government, then boy, this place would be better. Don't put your faith in politics. Because every person that is in office has been placed there by the hand of God. So people didn't think they needed Jesus. Matter of fact, it's so low-key, they don't even know that it's going on. In census, this was God's perfect timing according to God's perfect plan. Again, this is God's perfect timing according to God's perfect plan. The reason they would do a census is to see how many people they had in their territory, to see how much tax they could get from them, and also what kind of army they could staff. But the world didn't know it needed a savior. The people of Rome saw things getting better after the Civil War. Only Jesus can save you and I from our sins and ourselves. This is all why God sent us. Now let's go on to verses 4 through 7. Rejoice, a Savior is born. Rejoice, a Savior is born. It says, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, 
David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. There is so much that could be said here, and there is so much that is still left unsaid. Here's something I want you to understand. (laughs) This is kind of ironic. Understanding is not necessary when you have faith. Understanding is not necessary when you have faith. How many times have you told God, I don't understand, God. How many times have you asked God, why? This is not the way I planned it, God. This is not the way I would have done it. This was not in my plan book. And sometimes God foils our plans because that's what he wants. He wants us to just have faith. I mean, think about it. Prophecy was unfolding before Joseph's in Mary's eyes. And and most of the time we think about Mary and the baby giving birth. And and Joseph is just kind of like the, the background player. But if you go and you look at Matthew 1, verses 19 through 25, we see Joseph's take on all this. You see, Joseph, it says in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 1, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. They were betrothed. They were engaged. That, that was much more serious than we know about it in our culture today. And so he was a good man because if he would have made a big deal about it, Mary could have been stoned for having relations outside of their marriage commitment. People would have just thought she was crazy if she would have said, well, it was God. So he just said quietly, I'm going to be low-key about this, and we're just going to make this go away. But as he considered this, I love this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, For the child within here was conceived by the Holy Spirit. We talked last week about the fact that that was that overshadowing, that Shekinah glory. There was no physical contact between God and Mary. It was more of a Holy Spirit kind of thing. Uh, And it says, And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message Through his prophet, look, the virgin will conceive, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. I love this. Verse 24, when when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and named him Jesus. We don't give Joseph enough credit. His faith was, I don't understand what my future wife is telling me. This makes no sense. But I know that God is telling me to do something. I don't understand it, but I'm going to do this. This news was unbelievable. Imagine the faith of Mary and Joseph. Joseph decided to lead and protect his family regardless of what his mind was telling him, regardless of what his friends were telling him. I'll show you. I know y'all love maps and sermons, but I'm going to show you one. 
Uh, Joseph and Mary's journey was not an easy one. If you look on the screen, I don't know if you can see it, but you see that Nazareth is up at the top of the line and then they go down. That's anywhere between, some scholars think, think it's between 70 to 90 miles. And I want you to understand as you look at that map, they're going through mountains. And I want you to understand, she is pregnant. She is supposed to be at home and she's supposed to be having showers with her friends and having all the family around her. But no, she is probably on a pack animal or walking with Joseph and they're going through this treacherous road to go to Bethlehem because that's where Joseph is from and he needs to go back for this census. Here's the question for you and question for me. Will you trust God enough to endure hardships? And endure unjustified ridicule to see his plan accomplished in your life? Will you put up with the mess that sometimes you have to put up with to do what God's called you to do? There were no cars. They couldn't Uber to Bethlehem. There weren't any taxis, trains, or planes. What did Joseph and Mary take with them? God's promise. That's all they had. Think about it. Mary, I'm going to take you away from your friends, your family, your physicians to have a baby in Bethlehem. Mm. Well, God may not soften your journey, my friends, but he will prepare you for it. What you're going through right now, God has prepared you for it. And he will continue to be with you in that. Look at the story of Christmas. As you look at Christmas, God did not soften Joseph's bumpy road, did he? But he gave him the strength to travel it. He did not soften their journey, but gave him the strength to travel it. God did not provide a luxurious inn for Joseph and Mary, but brought his son into the world in the most humble of ways. It amazes me. Think about this. Joseph went back to his hometown. Was there not anybody they could stay with? Did they not have some friends or a family? But no, they went to an inn and there was no room for him. So they found, we, we see these pictures that artists draw often of this nice big barn and the, the yellow, warm, glowing light emanating from the manger and all the animals just looking and cooing and, and just, it's such a beautiful picture of the nativity when the truth of the matter is it was cold. It was harsh. And we wouldn't want to see that. They were probably in something that looked to a lot of people like a cave. And a manger was not a beautiful wooden uh, support system filled with warm hay. It was probably carved out of a stone. And it was a trough where animals would eat. They probably had to clean out the food remnants and the animal saliva, and all of these things to put our Savior in such a humble manger. The time came. Everything has and will happen according to God's perfect timing, not our understanding of it. Disappointment will be erased. Questions will be answered. That which was lost will be found. if, If there is somebody that feels this way, I I would like to talk with them and find out how they got to this point. But I have never met a lady that has given birth to a child 
and looked at that and said, you little stinker, it wasn't worth it. There might be times where you feel like it. But all joking aside, I've never, you know, I've never met a lady that's given birth like that and said, you know what, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't have done it. No. Because all the pain, all the preparation, everything that went into that beautiful baby was worth it once the product was, was delivered, once the baby was here. And so, my friends, as we look at the story of Christmas, we may be living on a bumpy road. We may have a, a journey right now that is tough. Is the country going the way you wanted to? No. Is your bank account looking like you wanted to? No. The prices at our grocery stores, are they the way we would want them? No. Look, I, there's a lot of stuff. We can, if you want to have a complaint session, we'll just go into the choir room after church and we'll sit and complain for about 30 minutes about everything. And it will fix nothing but destroy our witness. My friends, whatever road you are on, God will give you the strength to go through it. And that's what we see in the story of Christmas. And then we see, it says she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, or some translations say swaddling clothes, comes from the ancient word meaning to tear, meaning they were torn strips of cloth wrapped around Jesus. The manger was not warm. The manger was a feeding trough. Just There was no room for Mary and Joseph in the end. I think that is a good picture of what the world is today. There is not much room for Jesus in today's world. Nobody has time for him. Nobody wants to mention him. Nobody wants to celebrate him. But my friend, one day that will change. As we wrap up our time in our sermon today, we rejoice because the Savior is born. We rejoice because the Savior is born. Chuck Swindoll says that maybe you've never connected the dots until today. Maybe for you, Christmas has been about a tree, an old man with a white beard and a bunch of gifts. Some of those things which you don't even want. And a lot of irrelevant traditions you've never really been able to put together. But understand this today. Christmas is about God's love for the world, and it's about God's gift to us. We respond to Christmas by accepting God's gift. Jesus is a gift, and you may not realize you even need it, just like the people back in the day when Jesus was being born. Jesus could be the gift that changes your life, not only on this earth, but in your eternal destination. But by simply receiving this gift, a gift that you didn't even need, know you realized, your whole life can be transformed. Whether it be a time where you've, you've been walking with Christ for a long time and you've kind of drifted away, or you may never have made that decision. My question is, the gift of salvation, the gift of Jesus Christ is here, is today, it is now. In this moment, what will you do with it? Because here's the thing. Jesus welcomes you with all of your baggage. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter how shameful your past is. Jesus doesn't care about the emotional and spiritual baggage you bring with you. He just wants you. Whether you've been in church all your life or is the first time you've heard the true 
Jesus' message in Christmas. If you've never believed in Jesus, my friends, you're not going to heaven. That's not me being closed-minded. It's what the Bible says. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we can rejoice today because the Savior was born for you. And that is the message of Christmas. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we are going to offer an invitation here. Lord, if there would ever be a present that someone could receive this holiday season, it would be your Son, Jesus Christ. Of understanding it's not about the presence. It's about you, Lord, and the gift that you gave to forgive us of our sins, to start over either for the first time or the next time. If there's someone who wants to come to the altar and pray or join this church or whatever they may want to commit to you, Lord, today, may this be a time. Thank you, Lord.